the most popular paid-for app last year? Once you find out, you might look at everything on social media differently. Mm. Tell you that in a minute. Also coming up, one of our favorite thinkers with a great piece on a, a significant chunk, chunk of Trump's foreign policy that is uh, extremely positive and, and, and ought to be. Uh, because there are aspects of this administration's foreign policy that have been excellent. And no matter what you think of Trump, you have to admit it's true. Uh, are you guys pro-Trump or anti-Trump? We're, we're not tribal. We call them as we see them. What was that thing you just read me, Sean? I really liked it. This is good. Listen to this. This is brilliant. Will do. Maybe one of the best features of the Internet is how it allows you to be exposed to your own opinions articulated in such an obnoxious way that you feel like maybe you don't hold them anymore. (laughs) How great is that? (laughs) Wow. Wow. I have had that happen. Boy, when you you say it that way, I'm not sure that is what I want to think. Well, yeah, I don't know if I'd go that far, but uh, I certainly am uncomfortable with the company I keep. Right, exactly. That's what I mean. You think, I don't want to be part of that crowd, even though that's what I think. It reminds me very much, Jack, of the time not too long ago. I think we all remember it. Michael, it's uh, Gladys. Hey, Gladys! Jeez, wake up! Hey, don't yell at an old woman like that. What's the matter with you, you maniac? Our harpist, Gladys. Her hearing. Oh, oh, oh. But your tone is very harsh. So it was a couple of years ago, I guess, that I... She lived through World War One. She can handle my tone. <laughs> it was a couple of years ago I decided I was going to uh, uh, wear a mustache and uh, had begun growing it and was driving home from work and and, and uh, uh, witnessed a fellow driving like a complete, what's the term, a-hole. <laughs> And I finally uh, caught up with him because I was curious, and I looked in. It was a guy with a mustache. And I went home, and I shaved. Really? Right then. That's interesting. I was not going to be among the mustachioed. Wow. If that's the way they behave. You couldn't so find I can a, relate to Sean's quote. Couldn't find some guy in a mustache doing good in the world? I don't see your point. Hold that person up as your mustache <laughs> idol? Mustache idol. Now there's a show. Um, before, <laughs> oh, oh, boy. Before I get to the most popular paid-for app last year that is going to change the way you look at the Internet, um, we got a late-night joke off. Pretty obvious they all took on the Putin-Trump thing. Oh, boy. Is this going to make me suffer? Probably. Okay. Uh, well, I will rate each joke and comedian, and the bottom uh, vote-getter or uh, grade-getter will be banned from Comedy for Life. According to experts, Trump and Putin had a lot to negotiate in their meeting. Trump says the negotiations went great. Putin now controls New York and California. And in exchange, <laughs> Trump got three magic beans. Putin's just having fun with this now. He's, he actually offered to have his intelligence agents investigate the hacking of our election. That's like, that's like Papa John offering to investigate who's been saying all the racist stuff at the company. President Trump and Russian President Vladimir Putin had a one-on-one meeting today that lasted over two hours. Ugh, poor Trump. That is a long time to hang out with your boss. (laughs) Oh, and I'm sorry, those were were jokes? (laughs) Those were were, uh, words strung together in such a way that you're supposed to laugh at the end. (laughs) Jimmy Fallon, B-minus, Kimmel, C, Myers, C, Kimmel and Myers, banned for life. I think that's the first double ban. That was sucko. It's terrible. So, the most downloaded app last year that people paid for 
was the Facetune app. The headline of this article being, every bikini photo you see is probably fake, at least a little bit. Huh. The most downloaded app 50 million times since its launch a couple of years ago. There's a lot more people doing this, I'm guessing, than you realize, including people you might not ever think would do this. And, you know, maybe my accusatory tone is misplaced anyway. It's uh, rather harsh again. Because if I had it, I would use it myself. So, um... For $3.99, you can get this app where you can very easily smooth out your skin, getting rid of cellulite or, you know, whatever, birthmarks, age spots, whatever. My vestigial third nipple. You can whiten your teeth, reshape the body a little bit. And this article had a whole bunch of examples of uh, bikini photos. And $4 for an app is on the upper end of the app price spectrum. Be worth it for this, I guess, especially if you're... For whatever reason, it matters to you how you look in pictures. You're you're single, you're a woman, you're vain, whatever it is. Um, but they've got some of these before and after pictures, and, and, and a lot of people, they don't overdo it, which is would be the key to me. Mm-hmm. But it's enough that it makes you look a hell of a lot better. Just, just curve in just a little bit on the torso, so instead of just being straight up and down or a little love handily, you know, it just goes in a little bit. Just a tiny adjustment. It's a work of fiction. And um, I don't appreciate the lies, the deception. And and like I said, a lot of them are really, really subtle. And uh, p- probably if you see a bikini photo from somebody who's on vacation, they did a little bit of this. Hmm. Which is, is that a problem? Do we have a problem with that? We've talked about this before with like uh, school pictures. Wouldn't you like to have a picture of what you looked like when you were in eighth grade? Wouldn't you like to know what you looked like? Or do you want to see it? Only if you like your appearance. If you find your appearance painful, the answer is no. God, Just I'm, to what extent? Uh, I mean, where's the dividing line? I can see if, if you're slightly time, less than perfect. If you find that painful, then we've got a little crazy problem. I can see why at the time you might want to do it. I would have wanted to do it too. But looking back, like as a you're a forty year old, wouldn't you like to have pictures of what you actually looked like as a kid? Or should you keep those in a separate drawer or a separate file or something like that? What if all the pictures are, you don't have any pictures of what you look like? Yeah, well, I didn't have that problem. I was a good-looking kid. Things have gone south since, (laughs) clearly. Sideways. Well, Um, there are very few people that if you wanted to use this app, that there wouldn't be something you would smooth out the skin, whiten the teeth a little, you know. Sure. Take away the roundness of the the belly, the legs, the trim butt, in the, the jug ears just a little bit. Whatever, whatever your thing, yeah. whatever. Disconnect your unibrow. Of course, you can do that through plucking. So, what's the <laughs> point of we all walk around in real life looking like we do, but all the pictures have us being someone else? I, I did just seems strange. It, it protects our egos. I don't know. A vanity. It's, 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 it's the Bible speaks of vanity. If you're running, there are, there are the cave drawings about vanity. I mean, it's just it's it's a human thing. If you're running an Instagram account where you make your money by being a hot chick in a bikini, I completely get it. Um, and I guarantee you, every single one of those is touched up. Oh, of if course. This, if this is the most, if you're not. You're you're a fool if right. you're not doing that. If this is the best selling app and it only costs three ninety nine, why the hell wouldn't you do that? If if, if that's the way you make your living, but. I'll bet practically, well, but we all know people that have posted pictures that they altered like that. And again, is that a problem? I don't know. Mm. Just keep it in mind. Don't overdo it would be my suggestion. Oh, overdo don't, it. Don't That's make my it, suggestion. Don't make it where you look like a good, you, you're unrecognizable. Make it ridiculous. So everybody knows. 
I, I think this has probably a little more to do with women than yeah. fellas, although yeah. fellas would certainly do it. Um, does anybody actually see their friend looking fabulous in a bikini and feel bad about themselves? I suppose they do, to some extent. I never have. Maybe that's a guy thing. I don't know. When you see your friends in bikinis, I think, hey, I didn't know you're, uh, you know... No, if I, if I see a guy, if I, I don't, I'm not on Facebook or anything like that, but if I saw a guy and he's in way better shape than me, I'd just think, well, he's in a lot better shape than me. I should work out, yeah. but I'm not going to because I don't care that much. Right. That's what I would think. <laughs> he must care enough to spend the time. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. I don't. I, I see that, and then I go home, I immediately do like eight push-ups. I'm like, all right, now I'm doing it. Yes. <laughs> now I'm, I'm on my way. <laughs> maybe it's age where I'm able to leap past that to the, but I'm not going to. I mean, I, I leap straight from the. I should work out, too. I'm not going to. I, I, that in-between part is now gone with age. Okay. Well, Which is handy. I just started to admit reality. Saver. Right, yeah, yeah. So every bikini shot you see in social media is fake. Interesting. Coming up, top Chinese school rewards top performing students with pork. I Beg your that, pardon? I wish that had existed when I was a kid. But much more importantly... Senator Kamala Harris is full of crap, and Victor Davis Hanson is not. Those two personalities will be featured. Okay, maybe I'll hit you with the uh, the big five, the New York Times column, people that are likely to be the Democratic nominee, and Kamala Harris will factor in because she's one of them. Kamala. Kamala. Kamala Harris. Is that how I remember it? Or I don't remember it, because that's Kamala. You're saying it's Kamal. Kamala. Hmm. One hump Kamal or two hump Kamal? You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Statements yesterday in Helsinki coming up in Marshall's News. We got plenty more on that. Also got this text. I have to say it's so charming and sweet that Jack thought bikini pics in social media were totally real. You're the best, Jack. So that just gets to the everybody's been doing this for a long time. I didn't think about it. I don't care. I'm not on social media. I'm not looking at the pics anyway, but there you go. So, um, uh, New York- last of the party, but that's fine. You brought chips. <laughs> New York Times broke down the five most likely people to be the Democratic nominee for president in 2020. These yeah. things are these things are always wrong. Let's get started. <laughs> a Donald Trump, a Barack Obama, somebody comes out of nowhere, and Alex Baldwin. But anyway, this is who they have, and I just <laughs> another I, possibility. I think you'll notice a theme with with at least three of these. I'll give you their ages on election day. Okay. On election day, Bernie Sanders will be 78. He sure is talking like he's running again. On election day, Joe Biden will be 77. Uh, he's, well, what he's what he is what he is. On election day, Elizabeth Warren will be 71. Ooh. She's older than I thought. Compared really? to the other ones, though, throw on a really? bikini, in our airbrush 70s. it, and put it on the uh, internet. Now, the two youngsters who will both be in their 50s, Kamala Harris will be 55, and Cory Booker of New Jersey will be 51. 
And I think Kamala Harris, she is she is really good. Yeah, she is. She is a political animal, as they say. Yeah, well, we'll see. She also has a touch of the Brian Williams in her. A bit of a fabulist. Someone right. who composes or relates fables or who invents elaborate, dishonest stories. To wit. <clears throat> I like when you come with dictionary definitions. On July 9th, similar, Senator uh, Kamala Harris tweeted, Two decades after Brown versus Board of Education landmark civil rights case, Jack, that eliminated the concept of separate but equal. Two decades after Brown versus Board, I was only the second class to integrate at Berkeley Public Schools. Without that decision, I likely would not have become a lawyer and eventually be elected a senator from California. That's the power a Supreme Court justice holds. Now let's go to work. Uh, it's, uh, first of all, it's far from clear that Harris wouldn't have become a lawyer without attending an integrated public school. Right. I was going to jump in with that, but aside from any lies, the, the idea that if you'd gone to a different school, you wouldn't have ended up a lawyer. With your permission, we'll start with the logic and work our okay. way to the lies. All right. <clears throat> uh, plenty of African Americans became lawyers without having that benefit. But it is, but is it even true that Harris was in only the second class to integrate at Berkeley Public Schools? Based on, an examination of old yearbooks from Berkeley High. Uh, this person reports that classrooms at Berkeley High were already integrated in 1963, a year before Harris was born. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds unlikely to me that in the 70s or early 80s, they wouldn't have integrated in Berkeley yet? Right. Really? Crazy. Maybe Harris meant that she was part of only the second integrated class to proceed all the way from kindergarten through high school in Berkeley. But even if that's true, and it seems implausible given the early integration of the high school, it's ludicrous to suggest that attending a segregated kindergarten would have prevented her from becoming a lawyer and a senator. No one can deny the power of the Supreme Court. Harris doesn't need to embellish a personal story to demonstrate it. Rounds coming into the airframe. Exactly. That's just a silly thing to say. Now, a complete transition. We don't need transition music because it is not a jarring transition, but it is a transition. Did you see the model walk the runway yesterday, breastfeeding the baby? I did not. Huh? It's oh, getting the look attention. At, look at her doing that. Uh, well, what, the baby's what, getting a meal out of it. What is that standing up for? Breastfeeding? Hmm. I don't know. All of them? <laughs> okay. <laughs> did you see Cohen uh, kind of trolled Trump yesterday? Cohen did? Yeah. No, I missed that. How come? Scaramucci said Trump's out of his mind. He's got to back. He's got to walk back his comments. But anyway, Cohen I want tweeted, to get to Victor Davis. Cohen tweeted something like, "I believe the intelligence agencies or something." Yeah. So, hmm. whoops. He's he's flipped a rift between them. So one of our favorite thinkers is Victor Davis Hanson, member of the Hoover Institution, professor, writer, thinker, farmer. He's a very common sense guy and a, an excellent dining companion. I've been a fan I of his that, for like 20 years, and you got to sit next to him, and I didn't. I mentioned that purely so I can brag that I had dinner with him. <clears throat> uh, critics of Donald Trump claim, writes VDH, that there is no rhyme or reason to his foreign policy, but, there, if, but if there is a consistency, it might be called reciprocity. Trump tries to force other countries to treat the U.S. as it treats them. In Don't Tread on Me style, he also warns enemies that any aggressive act will be replied to in kind. The underlying principle of Trump commercial reciprocity is that the United States is no longer powerful or wealthy enough alone to underwrite the security of the West. Um, that's, uh, that's more of a broad point. I like his specifics, though. Um, this year, there has been none of the usual Iranian provocations frequent during the Obama administration of harassing American ships in the Persian Gulf. 
Apparently, the Iranians now realize that anything they do to an American ship will be replied to with overwhelming force. Jack, to a point you've made many times, ditto North Korea. After lots of threats from Kim Jong-un about using his new ballistic missiles against the United States, Trump warned that he would use America's far greater arsenal to eliminate North Korea's arsenal for good. Trump is said to be undermining NATO by questioning its usefulness some 69 years after its founding. Yet, unlike 1948, Germany is no longer down. The United States is always in, and Russia is hardly out, but instead cutting energy deals with the Europeans. More importantly, most NATO countries have failed to keep their promises to spend 2% of their GDP on defense. Yet the vast majority of the 29 alliance members are far closer to the U.S., I'm sorry, far closer than the U.S. to the dangers of Middle East terrorism and supposed Russian bullying. Why does Germany, by design, run up a $65 billion annual trade surplus with the U.S.? Why does such a wealthy country spend only 1.2% of its GDP on defense? And if Germany has entered into energy agreements with a supposedly dangerous Vladimir Putin, why does it still need to have its security subsidized by the American military? Right. Um, I like his stuff about uh, reciprocity, though, and how that's been successful with bullies. That's why... The the stuff with Russia is A, jarring, and B, I think more complicated than it seems on its face. Trump, of all people, could turn on a dime if Putin starts to get froggy. Oh, yeah. The farthest I'm willing to go is decent idea handled poorly. That's as far as I'll go, and I'm not even there yet. Okay. I think that's fair. But even if that's a good idea, he handled it very poorly. He doesn't care what lines he crosses. No doubt. And he crossed some lines he absolutely should not have. Even if you like his idea, it was it was just bad. But, you know, there are aspects of the presidency he just doesn't get and never will. Former number two at the CIA says people should stop resigning, should start resigning from the intelligence agencies. Maybe we'll get into that later. It's easy for you to say. You've got know. a decent gig. You're feeding your kids. You've got benefits. Yeah, that whole re- you should resign thing is always said with the, uh, like, those aren't real people with real, like, households and house payments and yeah. retirements. And, you know, if you're some sort of... A lot of them aren't rich. I mean, a lot of politicians are, but a lot of people, like, you're, you know, you've been in CIA your whole life. You're, there's no reason you're rich. No. No, I think if you're like a big timer and you're a cabinet secretary, and if you stick around, that amounts to hypocrisy. I would appreciate the balls of retiring, saying, I'm out. I'm not going to be party to this. I think that's a powerful, powerful move. But other people telling you, you ought to resign. <laughs> yeah, you resign. Why don't you resign and tell everybody how unhappy I am? I need the job. <laughs> What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, Helsinki fallout continuing today. We've got the negatives. They're calling it the big stinky in Helsinki, Marshall. And we got the negatives, and we've got some positives. Also, heat waves are bad for your brain, my friends. All right. My brain better brace itself. Indeed. I might take a picture of myself and then alter it with that app in a way that is hilarious. Yes! <laughs> Stay tuned for Marshall's News coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. We're going to talk to Ian Bremer here in a little bit. We've had him on the Armstrong and Getty Show many times over the years. He's um, not uh, real thrilled with Trump's performance yesterday. 
No. Although he, he's, like ourselves, calls him as he sees him and will support uh, the Donald when he thinks it's appropriate. Didn't love yesterday. I would like to ask him, uh, what things could we do if we decide to retaliate? Anyway, news now with Marsha Phillips. Well, President Trump is getting hit by criticism from both sides of the aisle after that extraordinary news conference with Russian President Putin, at which Trump questioned U.S. intelligence agencies' unanimous finding that Russia interfered in the 2016 election. Trump standing next to Putin saying, I have great confidence in my intelligence people, but uh, I will tell you that President Putin was extremely strong and powerful in his denial today. And then his intelligence chief, the guy over all the intelligence agencies, then immediately put out a statement saying, we stand by what we said. Russia did it. I will continue to give the president my honest opinion. What was that? Was that a, I'm pissed you did that, or? That was standing him up and looking, uh, standing up and looking him in the eye and saying, yeah. uh, you can say whatever you want. It's true, and we all know it. Hmm. It was just, I think, uh, just standing up. I wonder what Ben Coates, he's the DNI, I wonder right. what, what he thinks Trump's up to. I wonder why he thinks Trump did that. I'd like to know. He'll write a book someday. Meanwhile, you got John McCain giving one of the strongest statements, slamming Trump's performance, saying it was one of the most disgraceful performances by an American president in memory. Tennessee Republican Bob Corker, who's the chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, saying... I just felt like the, the president's comments made us look, as a nation, more like a pushover. Now, one of the most stinging rebukes of Trump coming from none other than Arnold Schwarzenegger. President Trump... I just saw your press conference with President Putin, and it was embarrassing. I mean, you stood there like a little wet noodle, like a little uh, uh, fanboy. I mean, I was asking myself, when are you going to ask him for an autograph or for a selfie or something like that? I mean, you literally sold out at this press conference, our intelligence community, our justice system, and worst of all, our country. You're the president of the United States. You shouldn't do that. All right, Arnold. I mean, what's the matter with you? <laughs> yeah, put, Putin used you like I used the maid. <laughs> why, why is the question, is Trump compromised? Is he trying to play Putin by playing dumb? Is I can't come up with another reason. He is a real estate developer trying to curry favor, trying to butter him up to make a deal. He thinks he can flatter Putin and cooperate with Putin. Oh, the other obvious. I knew there was a third one. The third one is he just believes giving any ground makes it seem like he didn't win legitimately. And he just can't stand that. Oh, on the whole, he, he can't differentiate between the collusion right. investigation and the meddling right. investigation. Right. Yeah, he's obsessed with the legitimacy of his election, I guess. I don't know. Meanwhile, it was just announced that Russia's defense ministry is saying it is ready to boost cooperation with the U.S. military in Syria following the talks between Trump and Putin. Yeah, Putin will absolutely reinforce the gains that he and all of his people believe they made yesterday. They will make it look as though Trump was wise and did a good thing. They will further their own goals than the moment it serves their goals to turn on a dime and, and, and engage in brutality, malfeasance, whatever. They will do that. That is what Putin does and will always do. Putin was saying Russia and the U.S. reached common ground on Syria at those talks, but he gave few details at the time. I wonder, God, I'd love to know what that two-hour conversation was like. I mean, we haven't played much from Chris Wallace's interview with Putin yesterday, which was pretty damned interesting. Oh, it's terrific. But but Putin did a lot of 
long, rambling, not-on-the-topic answers that just killed time. That's what When I was a kid, I used to think I must not just understand when I would see Manuel Noriega or whoever, you know, being interviewed and give these long, rambling answers. I didn't realize it's a strategy. It's mm-hmm. a, you're just, you're just killing time. As long as I'm talking, you're not asking me something I'm going to hate. Yeah. I have a new study that says your brain works slower during a heat wave. Researchers from Harvard found that spikes in temperature slow down a human brain by up to 13%. Wow. I'm I'm not shocked by that. This is politically incorrect to say. I have lived, worked, and traveled in hot, sweaty places. And I believe they are at a serious disadvantage in terms of economic development. And, and education and the rest of it. There are very few hot, sweaty places on Earth that are at the leading, that are right. first worlders, that are your leading economies in education, etc. Wow. I've never Take heard a this. look. I've never heard this theory from, from any human being. Oh, hell. <laughs> it's groundbreaking. It is. It's it, interesting. It's too hot to do anything. The Harvard researchers say they think it could be because heat causes thirst and loss of blo- bodily fluids. And Certainly then the brain, are vital, vital fluids. And then the brain <laughs> has to work harder. The researchers also said the findings show that people are affected by the heat just as much as the weak or elderly are. So, I mean, it's across the board. All ages, you know, it's across all demographics. Brain activity slows down by 13%. And I will tell you this, to the extent that various countries and cultures have started to overcome this, witness Vietnam, uh, parts of India. It's because air conditioning has become more widespread. I'm telling you, it's hot and sweaty. Well, come on, it's self-evident. If it's hot and humid and sweaty, do you want to do anything? No. If it's kind of crisp and chilly, you want to get onto it. We put our pool, what we call a pool, it's really a horse tank, but we yes. put it underneath the uh, slide on the play structure. Yeah. Boy, the kids are loving that. Oh, are Going you down kidding? the slide into the pool is my <laughs> wife's idea. They're loving it. Oh, best thing ever. Oh, yeah. It's pretty awesome. There you go. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips here. I'm starting a Getty show, The Conscience of the Nation. Our swimming pool costs $140. And is actually a horse drinking fountain? Is that what it is? <laughs> it's a horse tank. It's for, yeah, you fill it full of water. It's a livestock tank. That's what it's called. But is it for, like, bathing horses or is it for, like, for them feeding horses? drink out okay. of, yeah. Is there um, a bunch of horseback washing there or what? <laughs> the eight-year-old's starting to age out of it, but the, uh, it's still fun for the six-year-old. If you got little kids, eat quick, easy way to have a pool. Oh, my God. Go the to memories, Tractor Supply. Oh, the memories I have of various inflatable pools and mini pools we had. Yeah. Had a gas. Ian Bremmer next to talk about all the Trump thing on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. We don't have anything on them, and there can't be anything on them. I don't want to insult President Trump when I say this, and I may come come as rude, but before he announced that he will run for presidency, he was of no interest for us. Of course, the idea that Putin would tell us if he had something on Trump is obviously laughable. Right. So you got three choices, right? They either have something on Trump, 
Trump got uh, is so worried about people thinking he stole the elections, another choice, or he just is bad at this? I don't well, know. Or it's a strategy. Extremely I guess it's unconventional. A, it's it's eight-dimensional right. chess. Oh, it's a strategy. It. Stop it with your tone. It's that. Please welcome to the Armstrong and Getty Show, Ian Bremmer, president and founder of Eurasia Group. The Eurasia Group is leading global political risk research and consulting firm. Ian, how are you, sir? Hey, good to be back with you guys. Uh, speaking of uh, global risk, uh, one of our loyal listeners uh, recently traveled to Uganda and brought us back some monkey gland sauce. Would you eat it? If I were you, yes. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Very low global risk there, according to Ian Bremmer. Exactly. Hey, listen, uh, your overall impressions we do want to hear, but I don't want to spend too much time because, uh, frankly, we've found some of your like your secondary observations about the process of the Helsinki meetings. Very, very interesting. But uh, your gut reaction to the whole deal? Um, bad. Okay. It, was, uh, it wasn't, no, I mean, if you were watching Fox uh, all day yesterday, um, you would have seen mostly criticism of the president. And, and that is pretty much unique, I think, since he's uh, taken over the office. Um, you know, it, it was badly handled. He, uh, the thing I found most disturbing was the fact that he had over two hours privately uh, with Putin. He didn't even have his secretary of state in. He, he needs advisors around this stuff. It's not because they're more hardline than him and they're going to ruin the meeting. It's because he doesn't trust that they won't leak on something that obviously they have reason to leak about. And that, that's a real problem. You can't trust like your secretary of state in a meeting with the Russian president. You have a serious issue. And we just don't, we haven't gotten the, to the bottom of it. But the good news, though, I would say, is that aside from how incredibly embarrassing it was, um, not much has actually happened. Uh, so, you know, it's not like Trump um, said, I recognize Crimea as a part of Russia. He didn't say we're going to take troops out of Syria. I mean, there are a lot of things that he could have done that would have required implementation that would have really changed the U.S.-Russia relationship. He's done none of them. And I think there would have been outrage um, in his own administration if he had. Okay, so the, uh, that's been my thing uh, for the last 24 hours. Is there any la- – it's, it's, I didn't like hearing it. I didn't like that look for a U.S. president. But is there, what's the lasting um, damage? Uh, the lasting damage is more impactful from the weakening of NATO, from the undermining of traditional alliances. I mean, Russia is not our principal concern. China is our principal concern. Their economy is vastly greater. They're a real competitor on the global stage. The Russians are seriously meddlesome on cyber, and we need to respond to that. And I guess the one thing I would watch out for is do we start seeing that the Americans in the administration that are dealing with, tasked with, defending the Americans on and our critical infrastructure on cyber and our elections, disinformation, the rest, um, do we start seeing or hearing from them that their jobs are being interfered with by the White House with President Trump? I have not heard that th- thus far. If I did, I'd be very concerned. So how does one, uh, from your point of view, Ian Bremmer, uh, negotiate w- with Vladimir Putin and or deal with him going forward? What's the right way? We want to talk to him. Uh, I think everyone would say that. 
there are lots of places long term Russia should have a better relationship with us than they do right now because the Chinese are going to eat their lunch much more danger to Russia than to the United States they're dominant demographically in the region they share territorial borders that are challenging to defend the Chinese are becoming economically dominant with more political influence in all the countries that Russia thinks are really theirs like Kazakhstan for example right I mean who cares in the United States if you're Russia you really do so, I mean, one thing I would say is that long term, the idea that you want to try to get the Russians to recognize that we have common interests in dealing with the Chinese is something you want to discuss. And you can have serious problems. We're a big country. You can have serious problems on certain issues. We can talk about them as grown-ups. We can put sanctions on as a consequence. We have on things like Ukraine. It doesn't mean you can't at the same time talk about coordinating or cooperating in a place like Syria where the Americans and Russians actually share some interests. Um, I, I think that that is wholly plausible, but we do need to understand that on some principal national security interests, the Russians are antagonists. They're not just competitors. They're active enemies, and we are fighting each other. Uh, we want to undermine them, and we, we're going to no, – no reason why we shouldn't make that clear. What about the difference between Trump's words and manner and his actions? We, we gave anti-tank missiles to Ukraine. We put missiles in Poland, that stuff. Yeah, well, I think there's a big difference between Trump and his administration. Uh, I, I do believe that when you talk to both existing and former members, high-level members of his administration, which I have, so he tossed, under the Trump administration, they tossed 60 Russian uh, diplomats slash spies out of the United States. Now, that is a harder line response than we saw under Obama. Did Trump so have to sign off on that? Uh, so, yes. But all of his advisors said, told me that they had to press incredibly hard. Trump was resistant and reluctant to do it. Um, they were all beating up on him as a consequence. They were trying to get the Europeans to do more because Trump was saying, I'm not going to do as much as the Europeans. Trump was incensed when he found out that it wasn't like Germany, but it was the European total compared to the American total. They apparently spun him a little bit on it. In other words... I do think that this is one area of foreign policy, and probably the only one, where literally Trump is alone compared to every other relevant member of his administration with expertise. Interesting. He really, there is a difference between Trump and everyone else in the White House, state, defense, uh, cyber, you name it, the CIA, on Russia and Putin. And, And we don't actually know exactly why in the two minutes we have left with ian bremer i found the uh the, the graph you tweeted really interesting similar to in my adult life we've we the american people have gone from democrats and republicans who disagree with each other but we're friends to tribes that feel like we must loathe each other you you show how the uh the view of the u.s from russia and vice versa are are at a poisonously hostile level right now just the public in both countries Yes, it really is. And I think that's why yesterday went over so badly is because you don't want to see the American president saying, I trust the Russians and the former KGB more than I trust American institutions. Like, even if you are fully in the bag for Trump and he can do no wrong, 
that's a hard one to digest. A little too much cognitive dissonance involved in that. Uh, the graph you, you show from 1991 to the present, in 91, 80% of Russians had a positive view of the U.S. 80%. It's now yep. 24%. At times, about 70% of Americans have had a positive view of Russians. Now it's 24%. That's hostility. Yeah, I'll tell you, uh, one thing Trump said that rang true with me when he said that both countries are responsible for the hostile relationship we have right now. The biggest mistake we made in 1991, no one was seriously talking about a Marshall Plan for the former Soviet Union after they collapsed. We won, and we basically did a victory lap. It was shock therapy and fix it yourselves. That was a huge mistake, because if we had actually treated our fallen enemy the way we had the Germans, the Japanese after World War II, today you'd still see 82% approval of Americans in their feeling towards Russia, and I suspect the Russian feeling towards Americans would be even warmer. Hey, we mentioned this the other day. Did uh, did Trump actually fist bump Erdogan? Yep. Yeah, he did. He fist bumped him right in front of all the allies, and he said, this is the way we do it. Oh. Wow! Wow! Well, that's wow. crazy. Mm. That's not on video or anything. No, it's it's interesting because Erdogan's hands are larger, right? And so you just you don't you're surprised that Erdogan that Trump's going to fist bump people, but maybe if there aren't any cameras, he doesn't feel so sensitive about it. Wow, Ian Bremmer <laughs> with a truly enlightening final note on his way out the door. The president and founder of Eurasia Group, Ian. It's always enlightening. Thanks a million. Be good, guys. Good to talk to you. Fist bumped a dictator and said, "This is how you do it, huh?" What the what? <laughs> you can't do that, man. You're not helping. You're not helping me make my argument to people. <laughs> you know, I'm glad I'm around to watch this happening, but it is mystifying. <laughs> oh, my God. That is something. And he witnessed it. That has to be one of the most amazing things Ian Bremmer's ever seen, personally. Yeah. Oh, we have to uh, tweet and post the picture of the monkey gland sauce. It's a real thing. Joe's going to drink some coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show.